me pones un, un épocas. Si tú no quieres hablar conmigo, dímelo para yo no llamarte ni molestarte, porque nada más quedaba tú. In memory of my mother, Matilde de la Rosa. This is dedicated to you, mom. Miss you so much. En memoria de mi madre, Matilde de la Rosa. Esto va dedicado a ti, mamá. Te extraño mucho. Real talk. Real people. Real stories. The He's Just Podcast. Yeah! Welcome, everyone, to another He's Just Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the He's Just a Social Worker movement, Jules Dujay. I'm excited about another great show. Before we start out, I want to remind everyone that this plight and this fight was created because often we were overlooked. We were labeled and put in boxes, but no longer. This movement is for anyone and everyone who feels they need a voice or they're misunderstood. We are strong as individuals, but unstoppable when we unite. Today's show is amazing. Before I introduce our guest, I want to give a little intro. She's done so much work in the work of coaching, author, just a great woman overall. She's a certified trainer of the Success Principles, certified life coach. She's a contributing author to Live Abundantly, the author to Choose This, Not That, Increase Your Happiness, Strengthen Your Relationships, Achieve Your Dreams. A degree in family life has appeared many times over as a guest on Project Parenting and Good Morning Arizona. She's a mom of five extraordinary individuals, and I guess that's her best title, aside from being innovator, guest speaker, and empowering woman. She's an amazing mother. Jennifer Hughes, welcome. Oh, Jules, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, I love your title. He's just a social worker because so many times as a mom, that's what I heard too. She's just a mom. And <laughs> there's no just about it. <laughs> and, you know, thank you for that because this, this platform was more around making sure that we were not labeled in so many ways. And just looking at your work, I know the world is excited to hear about you. Tell us about you. Just introduce yourself. Tell us about your journey and what drew you to this work. Yeah, I just, um, I'll just start at the very beginning when I was, I felt like I was at the bottom of a deep and dark well. <laughs> like I felt like I just, I wasn't happy. I felt like I might never be happy again. I was in a terrible depression and, um, and I just was so, um, I don't know if you want to start that deep, but, um, but I just felt like, like I learned the way out. I studied, I learned, I read books, I obsessed and I learned the way out. And, and now it's appeared so many times. I see it with my children as they were, you know, went through teenagehood, all their friends were, you know, depression and anxiety. Um, I've taught a college class for eight years and like 95% of them come in depression and anxiety. And I, um, and moms, all the moms I know, like, they're like, yeah, I have depression. So it's just such a like epidemic, like widespread. It's just so I just, once I learned the way out, I'm like, I have got to help everyone because like the, the teenagers, the college kids, the, the moms, everyone is just unhappy. I'm sure the men are too, but that, you know, <laughs> it's not on my radar as much as in my personal experience. 
So. You know, thank you for sharing and being so transparent early. You know, most of us here on this platform always talk about the need to think outside of the box. And I think that in your coaching and the work that you've done, you know, just to cite some of the words, you're a great listener. You truly care about the work. And people say that aside from you being a transformational leader, you never, you know, forget that you're that human side of you, like that human being of you is always there. And that's why so many people really enjoy working with you. So thank you for that. You know, now that we talk about the focus and alignment, and we're going to say the word happy here a ton mm -hmm. of times, mm -hmm. tell us about this, helping people to discover their happiness. Yeah, as I as I saw this pattern of so many people in um, in my experience that were just so unhappy, I just thought, but it's preventable, but you don't have to be like that. Um, and then I started to kind of notice some patterns. Like I started to notice there are specific skills, specific things that you can do that will work to increase your happiness. And if you do them, you'll be happier. And if you don't do them, you'll be unhappier. So I started to notice there's kind of a pattern here. And, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not like you're going to be happy all the time, right? There's still going to be things that happen in our lives that, you know, we're going to want to feel really sad or, you know, upset about or something like that. There's still going to be things that happen in our lives. And uh, so it's not just about, it's just about choosing the things that will make you happier because that will tend to lead you into more happiness. I mean, if, if something causes unhappiness, not doing it increases happiness, right? You know, thank you for that. Cause I think that one of the things that I read from you when I looked you up and I started researching the word choosing, you know, sometimes we avoid choosing mm -hmm. and many of us come in layered, heavy, pretty not motivated. How do you begin to untap those strategies and those principles that you're talking about? Yeah, well, um, I'm just going to tell you a personal story here about how I kind of learned about choosing um, my <laughs> so when I was a kid, I don't know how old I was, but I was I was pretty young. And um, I like if my mom would get upset at me, she would yell at me and she would, you know, send me to my room. Like if I if I vocalized that I was unhappy about that, like I would get punished. <laughs> and so I, I didn't feel like I could vocalize or say anything like, okay, I, I, I just have to go in there and I can't say anything. And I couldn't like yell or just, I didn't know how to discharge this energy. I felt like I was so, I was just so unhappy and I just did not know what to do about it. I didn't, I could, I couldn't like yell and scream and, you know, throw a fit or I, I, the punishment would be much worse. And I, I just didn't know what to do. So for, for a while, this is totally embarrassing to tell you, but because we're friends, I'm telling you, um, because I didn't know what to do to discharge all this, all this emotion that I had, I would bite my arm mm. <laughs> really hard. Like I would be like, ah, you know, and um, it was totally embarrassing to admit that, but I was young and I didn't know what to do. And, and one time I was just like, you know, Nobody even knows I'm in here doing this. Nobody knows. So there's got to be a better way. Like as a kid kind of working through this, there's got to be a better way. Like, because I have all these emotions and I don't know what to do. And I just feel so like, ah, mm -hmm. and uh, so I, I started to learn that. That was the, the first part where I like thought there's got to be something better than hurting myself 
which is what we do still emotionally now when we, you know, when we're creating our own unhappiness. So the second experience is, is pretty similar. Um, another time my mom sent me into my room, I think I was a little bit older. Um, and she just was like, because I wasn't biting my arm. That's why I think I was older. <laughs> so she sent me in there and she was like, don't come out till you're happy. And I was like, and then she forgot about me. Well, I don't even think she told me that she just sent me into my room and I like hours later, what felt to, to me as a child felt like hours later, it, it might have been less, but <laughs> she, I come peeking out of the room. Am I allowed to come out? Is it okay now? And she's like, are you happy? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. She's like, all you had to do was be in there till you came out happy. And I'm like, are you serious? I was in here for three hours and that's all. <laughs> so, um, and it probably wasn't three hours, but it was a long time. And, and I just kind of learned all I have to do is come in here, make the switch and get happy and go back out there. And, and it wasn't just faking happiness. It was just like, I just have to like, let go of having an issue with that. And then I will be happy and then kind of go about my life like that. <laughs> so I learned it early as a kid that I could choose happy. It was fascinating. <laughs> Shout out to mom for helping you. I don't know about the three hours, but thank you, mom. <laughs> you know, the one thing that you've been touted as a high level performance coach is you cut through the emotions. What does that mean? Yeah, I just kind of, um, I've made it a policy in my life to only say what I mean and to only, um, and to mean what I say. So I, I just really try to, um, and I'm also kind of just direct and <laughs> to the point, I don't like to mess around. Like if, if you want my help, here's how it, here's how it is. I'm very empathetic, but I also want to, um, you know, I mean, I've been a mom for 29 years and I know how to, like, I know that true love is helping you become your best, even if that's not what you want in the moment. So I just really like to, um, challenge people to become the best version of themselves because it takes a challenge right you know challenges do come for us and when we first met i talked to you about how fascinating i was first about your name about your work and everything that you've created and before we get into the book just looking at the achievement of your dreams it means a lot to you for people to have goals and to focus. Why, why is that critical? Because progress equals happiness. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're not progressing, you're stuck, you're in a rut, you're stagnant and you're just, there's no possible way to be happy while you're not progressing. And it doesn't have to be about, you know, I said, achieve your dreams. It doesn't have to be a big dream. It can just be like, you know, I'm just working every day to become a little bit better. That's the way to be happy is to continue to progress. Mm -hmm. yeah. What has surprised you thus far about the work? Like, oh my God, I didn't know people was going to be so successful with this. <laughs> um, they, it, it's just really, to me, it's still fascinating when people are choosing to be unhappy. There's a lot of things that people kind of do mm -hmm. that it's those skills that make you like, if you do the skills, they make you happier. If you don't, it makes you more unhappy. So it's just fascinating to see when people are like, like they just don't want to let it go. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I know, but, but like, even though they know it's the right way to go, it's just like, 
you know, if you want to get more healthy, you need to go on a diet and you're like, but I still want to eat sugar. I still, you know, I still want to eat junk food. I don't want to eat the vegetables. It's just harder. It, you know, it's just not quite as easy if we're, um, you know, it's just not as easy. <laughs> so well, it's easier I mean, to one of the things when people are ready to be happier, how do you know? How do you know people are ready or getting ready? It all comes down to their choice. Like if they're willing to let it go, because we feel like if we just hold on to the, um, if we hold on to the anger, if we hold on to the blame, we know it's their fault. We hold on to that because we're justified. So why should we let it go? Because they did it wrong and we know it, you know, it's like, it takes, it, it just takes a little bit more of a, um, of an effort and an ability to kind of humble yourself a little bit to say, you know what, maybe I had a part in this. Maybe I'm responsible for, for some of it, or, you know, if it really is their fault, just to, to be like, and that's okay. Like, mm -hmm. I don't need to hold on to that. So it's just, um, it just kind of takes that extra step of, you know, just a little bit more excellence in your, mm -hmm. in your choices. And, um, and it's not the easy way in the short term, but in the long term, it's definitely the easier way for sure. You know, one of the greatest things, even in our couple of conversations that we had was your ability to tell me, you know, this happened and I had to do something. And that's what we call our he's just a she's just moment. Can you share with us a little bit more about what that felt for you and who was there for you? Because I know that he's a big guy who really has a big heart. But can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. When um, when I was struggling with depression, I just I was kind of in this mode of like somebody did something to me mm -hmm. and I need to let them know how much they hurt me by hurting more. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of in this like martyr victim kind of mentality mm -hmm. where I just was like, um, it just, I needed them to see that I was in pain because of them. Right. And I think it's really common that people do that. And it's, you know, I, here I am admitting that I did that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, um, I mean, I watched my children, you know, they were just like, come on, mom, I'm trying to engage me, trying to like, get me to come back to the, to the mother that they knew that they, you know, missed mm -hmm. <laughs> and that they deserved. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just couldn't, I just couldn't seem to like muster up anything. I just was like so mm. miserable. I, you know, and then my husband said to me, I cannot go another year like this. And I was like, what? <laughs> Don't you dare say that to me. <laughs> I was like outraged. I was like incensed. I was so offended. And then I just kept thinking about that. I can't go another year like this. I'm like, okay, does that mean he's going to leave me? What's going to happen? But also like, can I go another year like this? Like, I was like, it's no picnic over here, buddy. <laughs> but I was like, can I go another year like this? Like, I don't want to go another year like this. So I just was like, and I, I actually have a sign in my house that says happiness is a choice. And I just like had to look at that sign and just say, do I believe this? Because I told you it's gone back to when I was a child. I learned I could choose happy and everything was better if I did. So I had to ask myself, I had to test, I had to experiment and say, do I believe that happiness is a choice? And if so, can I choose it right now in the depths of depression? 
I felt like it was the bottom of a, a well, you know, and I was like, can I climb out of this? Can I come back into the light? Can I overcome this? Can I choose happy? And that's when I say, you know, I studied, I read, I researched, I tried this and that. And it's like, once I decided I, I can't go another year like this, I'm going to choose happy because I believe it's a choice. I came out of it faster than I would have ever imagined. And I learned the skills and, and I just, I'm like back in the light. <laughs> I finally, I'm out of the dark well. And now there's so many other people stuck in the bottom of the well. And I just am like, please let me throw you a rope and help you climb out because mm -hmm. you don't have to be there. You can choose to be happy. You know, you can choose it. It has so much to do with what you're thinking about, you know, like depression is basically negative thoughts about the past, you know, mm -hmm. anxiety is basically negative thoughts about the future. Right. So we just have to learn to manage our thoughts. That's what I had to learn how to, how to tell my brain what to think instead of my brain, just thinking those things. And then, you know, creating those emotions, I had to say, Nope, I'm going to choose happy. So I had to kind of be the master of my, my brain, kind of this mm -hmm. higher self telling my, my, you know, like other self what to do, you know? So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, Jen. Again, when you and I spoke the first time and, and thank you for sharing out because we all have dealt with that. We all have had to face it. Mm -hmm. Without giving all of your secret tips, did you journal? Did you did you exercise, drink more water? What were things that you did that really were like, okay, I'm going to stick with this? Yes. Well, exercise is a huge one because when you're moving your body, it creates those endorphins. It creates the, that chemical feeling in your body of happiness. So it's an important thing to do every day because when you're depressed, you don't feel like doing anything. You definitely want to hold still and it's your brain trying to keep the status quo. So yes, exercise outside in the sunshine, if possible, is but because being in the sun makes you happier and exercise is a big thing. But for me, the biggest thing was to, to look myself in the eyes. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, Ella Enchanted from years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, you know, she, she had this spell where she had to, she had to be obedient. And it's kind of like, you know, our brain, like she, that was kind of like her brain telling her, you have to do this, you have to do this. And then she finally decided I'm going to tell my brain what to do. You know, I like this, this spell I'm going to tell. And she looked into the mirror and she said, you will no longer be obedient. <laughs> And, um, I kind of looked into my eyes every night and I, I read through, I wrote down a bunch of statements that I knew to be true, no matter how depressed I was, no matter how, you know, I wasn't quite in my right mind at that time, really, no matter how much I was that way, I wrote down statements that I knew were true, no matter what. And I looked into my own eyes and read those every day. And it really took about a month and a half before I just started feeling worlds better. Mm. It was a game changer. And it was just deciding what I was going to think. Instead of thinking all these terrible, terrible negative thoughts that like, let me tell you, it, it was like an addiction, a self-destructive mm. habit that, I, that was very hard to stop, that just automatically came, right? But I was like, but addictions, you can recover from. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to not do that. I'm going to have a zero tolerance policy. Like, like if it were alcohol or something, just say, nope, I'm not doing it. And mm -hmm. so anytime I would notice myself feeling like, 
those people did some something terrible to me, I would just say, nope, look at the sunshine. Look at my children. I would kind of mm. like intentionally choose gratitude. Like, what can I think about right now that will make me feel happy? And, you know, I would combine it sometimes with going outside or, you know, shooting some hoops or doing something fun, riding my bike, you know? Um, so yeah, the things that you've always heard of, but also you decide and you feed your brain what you want it to have because your brain will listen to you. It, it, it's like, your wish is my command. I, I captain, it just does whatever you tell it to, but it will run the program for you unless you tell it what to do. So I just kind of told it, here's what we're going to do from now on because <laughs> I can't I go another that. year like this and I can choose happy. So. Yeah, you know, that aspect of retraining your brain takes time. A lot mm -hmm. of people, it may take months, some yeah. weeks, maybe some of us even a few days. Mm -hmm. But when you begin to look at that and you begin to explore as an individual and monitor your progress, I do see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I am very thankful that you shared using your own story, which I think that is what's made you so successful in what you do. What are the areas that sometimes individuals mostly come to you about feeling happy? Is it more about themselves or they're worried about a relationship or their families? What What's the common threads that you know about? Yeah, it's a lot about their relationships and their family. Like, you know, husbands drive me crazy or kids are doing what I don't want them to do or it. So it does work out a lot into relationships, but it's also like your, your own decision. How am I going to think about that? How am I going to feel about that? Because we all know we don't have the power or the ability to change somebody else. Like mm. it is what it is. Like you can try to influence them, but you cannot force them to change. So um, a lot of times moms are really like, well, I need my kid to do this. I need my husband to stop doing that. Um, so it's, but you can't. So all you can do is you can change yourself. You can change whether you're bothered by that, or you can change whether you're going to try to force them to, to do it your way. Right. That's kind of a big one is like, this is how I need it to go. I need you to get good grades. I need you to, you know, like clean up after yourself, like those kinds of things. So um, it's, it's both it. Once you decide to stop letting that bother you, once you decide, like you kind of change what you're thinking about it, then you stop showing up in a way that's really, uh, you know, it, like first you're showing up as the, as the mom who's trying to like, okay, here's what you're going to do. And it's going to look like this. And it's going to be in my time, like right now, <laughs> you know, then you start showing up in a way like, you know what, that's how it is. I'm not trying to change the reality of what's happening right now. And I'm just, I'm okay with it. Then you start showing up in a really different way. And your family quickly notices that. And it creates more peace because you're not trying to fight with them about how you want them to do things. And they're not trying to resist you, you know, making them be different than they are. So you both start to show up in a different way. And it really starts to help your relationship improve like that. For those of us who are just tuning in, once again, certified life coach, Jennifer Hughes, mom, author, incredible. You know, we're learning about, have you ever wondered about being happy, the steps to take, manage your anger, coping with stress and change? Could you tell us about the five things? I know that you cite that um, five things that you talk about, one of them being the unexpected. Tell us a little bit about them. 
Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I think it's kind of, um, I had a note and I, I didn't bring it in here with me, obviously, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I, um, you know, there's, there's some things that people are doing that will choose unhappy for them that they don't even realize. So being right, this is one mm. of them when you're being right. Like if you like, think about our world today. So many people are like, my opinion is the one that matters. That's the one that everyone has to agree with. And if you don't agree, we are not friends. And not only are we not friends, you know, it's kind of adversarial. So it's, it's just kind of like, um, when you're, if you're the mom in this situation, or if you're, you know, in your family situation or in your relationships, if you're like, this is the way it has to be, and it has to be right now. And it has to like, you know, it's kind of that controlling that, like I said, it makes you show up in a different way, makes them react in a different way. And it's like, people choose to be right instead of happy because your brain is like, we've got to be right. We've got to prove this is right. And uh, it's just a way to cause more fighting more, you know, like it's, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be at peace in your family situation. If you're like, but you have to do it my way and my way is the right way. <laughs> and it has to be right now, you know, like you, because we can't control the people around us. Like, I know you work with small businesses, teenagers, and so forth. There's a lot of people swear out there that they're right all the time. Mm -hmm. how, how difficult is that when you're, when you're thinking about that aspect? I'm used to running my business this way. And how hard is it for you to say, well, we're going to try something different? Yeah, well, it's just a matter of if you want to be happy or not. Like, and there's certain times when you are right and you, you don't want to, you know, like um, kind of sacrifice your your viewpoint that you feel is right. There's sometimes you definitely need to stand up for what you believe in. But um, when it comes to working with others or, or, you know, in a relationship, it's just, it's just not as important as we think it is. Like, because you're probably, chances are you're probably going to get there in the, you know, anyway, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like if, if a mom, this is a really common one. Moms are like, I want to make sure my kid gets good grades. So I have to make sure they study every day. They do their homework. They, you know, like that kind of thing. And, and children don't go to school for mom, you know, like mm -hmm. you can't, if they don't want to, if they don't like it. Um, I have one son who just, he didn't like school. He like in sixth grade, he decided, you know what? I don't care if I do my homework. I don't care. He's very smart. He's, he's just, he's a dynamic person. Like, you know, everyone's friends with him. You meet him in two seconds. You're like, I like him very much. <laughs> and uh, he's very smart. He's very entrepreneurial minded and he just doesn't like school. So it's not the right path for everyone and trying to make sure everyone knows that you're right is it's just a way to to just keep butting heads you know there's a quote that i love if i can remember it right that says um convince a man against his will he's of the same opinion still mm. and it's it's just how it is like when you're trying to be right and you're saying my way is the only way my way is the right way people might stop fighting with you and it doesn't mean they agree they don't think you're right. They just are like, okay, you know, I don't want to fight anymore. So they just stop talking. It doesn't mean you're right. It just means you're crazy. <laughs> Not crazy. Just that, that they're thinking, 
okay, that's a lot. I don't want to fight with you anymore. So I'm just not going to say anything. And I still think you're wrong, right? Mm. So it just becomes more of a quiet game and you're still not right. <laughs> once, you're, once you're treating somebody like that and you're kind of reacting like that, you can't be right anymore when you're, you know, like once you react emotionally and you try to force your, you know, your viewpoint, you're just, you're not right. You can't be right and do that at the same time, you know? So that's one of the ways that people, because they're like, I have to be right. I am right. I know it. And I want them to know it too. And that's one of the ways that makes people unhappy, but they want it, you know, it's what they choose and it makes them more unhappy. It sacrifices their peace in their relationships. And, you know, it just makes them feel like, I don't know. It's, it's just not the way to happy. It's just not, you know, <laughs> looking at that from the, the workforce side, many of us just go to work because it's our job and help mm -hmm. us pay bills. You know, it's difficult to match the two. I'm happy, but I don't really like my job. Mm -hmm. I do like I have a job and I can do something. Tell us a little bit about that because I know clients come to you sometimes and like, I really hate my job, but I need it. How hard is that? Yeah, it is. It's really difficult when you work with other people and they're not pleasant to work with. You know, I mean, it really does contribute to your happiness, you know, or or take away from it. You know, if if somebody's really hard to work with, if you're a manager, I would definitely say, like, trust your people. Don't micromanage them. Don't like feel like you have to tell them every single step to take every single thing to do because they might find a better way to do it and they might do it better if you just let them kind of have that creativity and innovation. So I would say for managers, definitely just kind of let it happen. You can let them know, here's the expectations. Here's, here's the timeline. I want you to have this done by the end of the week or whatever, and then just let them go. Like I had a sixth grade teacher who, who, like was amazing. Mr. Gus, <laughs> he, um, he gave us a packet at the beginning of the month and he said, it's due at the end of the month. And he didn't like manage our time in the classroom. Like it's unheard of. <laughs> and, um, he, you know, and sometimes I would, I would make a poor choice and I would just kind of like slack off. And then at the end of the month, I'd have to just really <laughs> work hard to get that done. But it taught me like, it, it just teaches you to, to manage your time better, to know he trusts me and I can't let him down. So it, you get a lot better if you like for managers, if you allow people, if you show that you trust them, they'll work for you. Like they will be like, if they're afraid of uh, letting you down, mm -hmm. you're going to get much better <laughs> work out of people. Um, and if you're an employee that doesn't like their job, you know, you could look at changing it. If that's not an option, you, you just need to decide like, okay, that's a thing that's outside of me. Like here's, here's a really important thing to know. Like what's on the outside of you is not within your power. Hmm. It's only what's on the inside of you that's within your power. So your, your coworkers, your boss, your, you know, your job situation, that's on the outside of you. And if you can do something to change it, do it. But if you can't, you know, maybe you speak up and say, you know, I would love it if, you know, we could do it like this. You maybe talk about it, see what you can change. And otherwise you just change your mind and just say, you know what, that's just, that's just the paycheck. That's okay. I go there for the paycheck and I come home and, and my life begins. So you just kind of decide 
um, you just have to stop letting things bother you by deciding. <laughs> you talk about working choices from the positives. That sounds like one of those things, right? And yep. I wish I had your sixth grade teacher. That would have been great for me. Yeah. To have the opportunity to take my time <laughs> to do my yeah. work at the end of the month. But right now, we want to talk a little bit about your book. Choose happy, be this, not that. Um, I was fortunate enough that I got to look through it. And a lot of it is just beautiful for a person who wants to get the information quickly. Okay, this is what I need. But there is one thing that you said. Read it all the way through the first time. Why? Why is that important? I think... You know, a lot of times when people read a book, they're not, they're, they just want to know what it says. <laughs> and, and a lot of times they don't really implement, they don't really like change their life because they read a book. But um, if you, if you read it through, then you'll know what it says and you'll get those ideas and it might pop into your head. Like when you're thinking about, oh, you know, why am I so unhappy? You, you might be like, oh yeah, the book said this, so you might try it, you know, so it's just kind of a way to quickly, and it's a very quick read. It's, it's written in bullet points because I wanted, you know, when you read a book and it has kind of a um, summary of the important points at the end of the chapter in a bullet point, that's the favorite part of the book for everybody. So I'm like, and so I'm just going to make the whole book just those chapter you know, <laughs> summaries at the end with the bullet points. This is the most important points. There's no stories in it. It's just bullet points because I wanted people to get in, get out, have the information. And, you know, it's not even required to read the whole thing all the way through. It's just what I recommend, but it's designed so that you can, you can open any page and it will help you right now, you know? Sweet. You know, the daily affirmations, the affirmations to start the chapter, like in chapter one, so I'm an agent that acts. I use my ability to choose, right? Considering the consequences and thinking about of these choices, I okay. thought about the word power. What were you thinking about when you wrote that? Oh, yeah. Um, it is a power. The power to choose is the power that we have. That's like, and it's empowering when we do it. It's, mm. it's really because when I was depressed and I was such a victim, you know, I was so upset. I was you know, like I just kept reliving it over and over in my head. And, um, and that's how it is when you're a victim, like the victim is always victiming. The perpetrator is always perpetrating and you're just stuck together in this terrible cycle. Um, so it was really taking back my power when I decided to choose happy. It was taking back my power instead of letting other people hurt me. I was taking back my power. So to me, power is a really big part of this because it's a power to choose and it's a power that we all have. And it's a literal power. It changes everything. Like you have the ability to choose. And I, I kind of like, you know, in the book, I call it being an agent that acts or an object that's acted upon. And when you think about an object, like, like a book or, um, you know, like something you can touch, like it's, it's an object. It can't help, but be picked up by me and moved around. You know, like it's just, it has no will. It has no option to not be used in the way that I use it, like my water bottle or whatever. So, um, but people do have a choice. They, they don't just get picked up and moved around and, you know, like, like an object, but sometimes we act like 
Like when I was depressed, I was acting like an object that was acted upon. Somebody did something terrible, so I'm going to feel unhappy so that they know that they hurt me. Um, and it's, to me, it's, it's empowering when I remember I am an agent that acts like, mm. you know, like an agent who can do, I have agency. I can act for myself. I can choose for myself. And, you know, my, a water bottle can't do that, but a person can. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I love that. So talk to us a little bit about that consequence of choice, because a lot of times if I don't go to work, I'm not going to get paid. If I scream at this person, they may scream back. Like I mm -hmm. could play this out and figure it out. Are there times that I'm worried about the consequence and not acting? Or vice yeah, versa? I mean, um, for every choice, there's a consequence. You know, I mean, in science, we call that, um, what do they say? I'm not that good at science, but it's like an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Is that the right mm -hmm, one? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, but it's, um, that whole science thing got, threw me off. Will you just remind me really quick what? Well, we were talking is? about, is there oh, a the situation where that consequence, I mm -hmm. know that if I act on this, uh, this may happen. If I yell at my job, I may get fired. Something may yes. happen. Okay. Now I remember the science thing I was trying to say for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. That's the one. And it's the same thing. Every choice you make has a consequence. It may not be like, like a parent disciplining you. If you make that choice, it, it, it could be like you said, if you don't go to work, you might get fired. You won't get your paycheck. Like there's real consequences for each decision that we make. And sometimes we feel them right away. And sometimes it's a little bit later on. Like if you're eating junk food instead of healthy food, you know, you kind of slowly, slowly get to the point where like, okay, this, this stinks because of my choices. Right. Um, and so, but there is always a consequence, whether it comes now or it comes later, there's always some sort of consequence for our choice. Like if we're trying to make everyone in our family know, or in our workplace, no, I'm right. It's my way. That's the right way. Mm -hmm. The consequence might be, you know, you, you lose friends, you, um, you know, people avoid you. Like, um, people are like, okay, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It just, it, there's always a consequence and, and it's wise to remember that for every choice you make. So you try to make more wise choices, you mm. know? that have the consequences you know, that you want. <laughs> you actually talk about the willingness to be uncomfortable. Why is this important? Like, let's make it messy first. Uncomfortable. Mm. Like, I hate it when this is the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when discomfort's the, the right way. But um, if you think about it, if you're willing to get uncomfortable, like, think about what you can accomplish. Like, mm. Like wherever you are in your life, whatever's happening in your life, if you're willing to get uncomfortable, you're willing to jump out of the comfort zone, you can start achieving your goals, things that you've never thought you could do before. You could start, um, you could forego that sugary snack and you could just have a carrot stick instead, you know, that's, and that feels kind of uncomfortable. Like, no, but I really want that candy bar or whatever. Um, it, so you have to kind of be willing to experience that discomfort because it can really take you to where you want to go in the long term. So it really is kind of what I said earlier. It's that short term discomfort for long term comfort. Mm. So, and usually the long term 
is much bigger and much better. Like if you have a candy bar, you're going to feel great for 60 seconds and then it's over. Mm-hmm. And, and you might, you know, how, how many, you know, how long will you have to be jogging to, to burn that cal you know, those calories off? Like, it's just, it's a bigger price to pay for a, sh- a quick pleasure and for a quick discomfort, it's a bigger reward. It's mm. really powerful. <laughs> you know, you need to step out to be happier and, and just staying here with us a bit. You know, this can include an obstacle, a challenge, a test, a divorce, a transition. The opinions of others always lays in between that messiness. I'm not going to take that step because my mom's not going to like I'm getting a divorce or something is not going to work the way I plan. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, one of the things that causes unhappiness is thinking about what other people are thinking about. And worse yet, trying to control what other people are thinking. And that will lead us to to not go for our dreams. To We'll be worried about the fear of rejection, fear of criticism, fear of mm-hmm. failure. And what will people think if, if I do this or if I don't do this? Um, so we really just kind of hold ourselves back because of this terrible fear of what if somebody doesn't like it? And you know what? There's like, you can know with hundred percent surety that hundred percent of the people are not going to like it hundred percent of the time, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not possible to please everyone all the time. So you just have to know, yeah, you probably will get, you know, some criticism. Some people might not like it. That doesn't mean it's failure. It just means you're not for them but the people that you are for love you. So it's kind of, yeah, you just need to really um, stop trying to worry about what people think. And like, when you think about it, perfectionism is all of these things where you're just so worried about um, criticism and rejection and failure that you just kind of freeze and you just don't do anything or you just keep trying to make it perfect which sadly enough reinforces the belief that you're not enough Mm. because it's an unattainable, you know, uh, standard. It's an unattainable goal. So you end up just reinforcing the the belief that you're not enough when you try to make things perfect and you try to control what other people are thinking about you because you can't, you can't Mm. control what they're thinking. You just, you don't have the ability. Nobody, opens your brain and pours guilt in or, you know, pours approval for you in like, it's just not something that you have within your control. And it's just, it's just more peaceful for your life. If you let go of trying to control what they're thinking and even thinking about what they're thinking, you know, what are they thinking? Are they thinking I'm a failure? Are they thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, are they criticizing me? Do they think I did it wrong? All that stuff just keeps you in misery. It's just, it adds so much to your suffering that you just have to be like, all I can control is what I think. And I think I'm pretty great. So there's that. <laughs> we understand that fear is going to be one of the biggest challenges here. And and we have clients that come line it up. There's fear and then I get stressed and, and, and then, then my body starts hurting and then I'm disappointed and then everyone else is disappointed. I like to tell people sometimes, if you close your eyes and I ask you a question, how much is two plus two? Don't answer. The mind is going to answer. It's automatic. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm looking at what you're saying around no matter what, people will have something to say. Yeah. You want it to be something positive. It may or may not be that. Mm-hmm. That's that talk that you're saying, not comfort zoning out. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us comfort a little about that zoning out, out piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we all know that what we want is on the other side of our comfort zone. And so when you're not, when you're staying in there and you're not stepping out of it, I call that comfort zoning out, like, mm-hmm. you know, play on words with zoning out. But um, it's really like, like couch potatoes, for example, that's the comfort zone. Like that's mm-hmm. where they feel like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm right where I want to be. I'm on the couch. I'm watching my show. Um, and it's not the way to be more happy. And we all know that. So it's, it's just, what are you willing to do? Do are you willing to give up what you want right now for what you want most? Because Mm. it really is that short-term pleasure versus long-term reward. You know, I mean, a candy bar is a fleeting, it's a fleeting thing. Like, but, but health and, you know, being fit and healthy, which I'm still working on Mm -hmm. (laughs) is um, it's a long-term reward. You get, you get the rewards of that all day, every day for years, you know, and, and that one candy bar, of course, it's not just one that, that may, you know, causes unhealth in your body, but you know, it's a, it's that habit of continually doing that. And that's just being in the comfort zone. Like if you're thinking about a goal that you have, what are you willing to do to get it? I mean, I wrote a book, it's my baby. It's like mm-hmm. my soul is in there and there's going to be people who won't like it. And it makes me like, oh, I don't want to know about it. Because, you know, I mean, it's hot off the press. I haven't really heard that much. It's barely brand new. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I haven't heard from people how they think about it, really, and from that many. And it's it's a thing. It might happen. It, if I write a book, there might be people who don't like it. They might even put a review out there that's not mm-hmm. positive or something. Mm-hmm. And I just have to be like, and I'm going to write it anyway. And mm-hmm. I'm going to put it out into the world because some people will really be helped by it and some people won't like it and i just have to be okay with that otherwise i'll stay right there in the comfort zone where i don't write books and you know like and nobody's saying what a dumb book you know (laughs) like because i didn't write one in that comfort zone so it's just like what are you willing to do are you willing to to maybe have some rejection in order to get what you really want and you have to be willing to risk it if you mm-hmm. want to get the goals that you have. In my part of town, we call that more than just someone. Yeah. You go for it. You're more than just. Yes. So <laughs> now that we're talking about earlier, I know that you talked about this, you know, be wrong or perceived as wrong. That affirmation being right. I, you know, it used to be important to me, mm-hmm. but now I choose happy. What's that? I love that. It's, um, you know, there's been so many times, you know, you can be talking to somebody and they're like, uh, you know, my spouse is doing this and saying this and acting like this and, and they need to stop right now. Or, you know, like, and you can just ask them, would you rather be right? Or would you rather be married? Would you rather be right? Or would you rather be happy? And it's just, it's kind of what we talked about earlier about, about being right. But like I said, people just silence up. They, they don't like admit that you're right. They just stop telling you that 
you're not right because you shut them down. So when you, when you're willing to have somebody think that you're wrong, like it's kind of that managing other people's thoughts about you. It's kind of what we talked about also. Um, it's, it's just, if, if I can let somebody be wrong about me, that means I'm not jumping in to correct them and say, no, no, I'm right. No, this is the way I said it, or, or really just defending yourself a lot. Like it's okay. If they think that I did it wrong, sometimes I didn't even do it wrong and I'm still willing to let them kind of have that belief just because it's more worth it to me to not fight than to try to manage what they're thinking about me. Because I still don't know if, if you're trying to manage what somebody else is thinking about you by proving that you're right and making sure they know that you're right. You're really just trying to do the impossible. You're trying to do something that's that can't be done. And even if you think you've succeeded about changing somebody's viewpoint, you don't know because they stop talking to you, first of all. And second of all, people can think things that they don't tell you. So you, you never have a way of knowing what the other person is thinking. Like, and they might say, here's what I'm thinking. And they could be thinking 90 other things in addition to that. Or instead of that, you can actually say out loud, I'm thinking this and not be thinking it. You're just telling them what they want to hear. So there's so many ways that, that this can go that I just find it's just better to just like, to just drop the fight. That's what it is. It's just letting go of that, that, just reason to fight because you never know if they're going to think, Oh yeah, she was right. Thank goodness. She told me that mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not really how people respond to it ever. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of doing yourself and them a favor to just be like, that's okay. Like you can think that I did that even if I know I didn't, or even if I don't perceive it that way, like that's okay. That that's you. And I, I'm going to know that I like, I can still know that I'm right without telling them, you know? So I'm not saying you don't have to ever feel like, oh, I'm just wrong all the time. It's not that, it's just like, it can be a secret that you're right. It doesn't have to be something that everybody knows about you. <laughs> it can be something that you know about yourself and that's okay, that's, that's enough. That's a great example of how to choose happy. Because yeah. if you go into this battle all of the time, willing to be right, using that example, it's so difficult, makes it lengthy, makes it difficult. What I really enjoyed about this chapter here was, you know, the do this part, you know, learning to adopt more than one way, carving mm -hmm. it more than one way, doing it more than one way. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that strategy? Yeah, it's um, first of all, if you if you want to be more happy, being right is wrong. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's the that's the thing to remember. Um, and yeah, for each thing. Um, for each chapter, I have a principle that leads to more happiness. And then um, on each, on one side, there's like, do this, you know, be this, here's the good stuff to do. Here's the, not this part, here's that stuff to avoid because people are choosing to be unhappy and they don't know it. So here's the stuff to, to not do it like this. Here's what it looks like. And then there's the do this, not that portion, which is just, um, here's some implementation strategies you can use today. You can try any one of these and, and they'll all help in this category. And it's like, it's like having a life coach with you, helping you make choices all the time, like a little shoulder angel, but this is a life coach in your pocket. So it's kind of like having that 
coach in your pocket to tell you, you know, oh, wait, do it like this, not like that. Here's some ideas. And it's, and that's why it's so short and, you know, like you can use it as a reference. You can refer back to it often and you can, you can just try it. Just say like, here's one. I'm just going to try this right now. Um, here's what I just opened the book and I'm just going to read the first random one, uh, work on having kind thoughts and weeding out self-righteous thoughts. Like just, you can just say, okay, today I'm just going to try to, uh, have more kind thoughts about people around me. And it's easy to just, okay, I'm just going to do it. And every time you fall short, you just say, that's okay. I'm going to try again. You don't have to shame yourself and say, oh, I'm a terrible person because I failed at that. You just say, but today I'm working on that. It's it's also stepping out of your comfort zone, doing things differently than you've done before. So it's, um, yeah, there's just so many ideas in here for uh, for how to implement these into your life today. And, and they all work. And they'll all help you be happier and you don't have to be perfect at any of them. I'm not perfect at any of them. Like I'm still, you know, probably a C plus on mm -hmm. most of them. So it's not that I wrote it because I just have it all down. It's just that I I've noticed the pattern. This is what leads to more happiness. This is what leads away from it. And people are like, they're doing the stuff that leads away from it. They're avoiding happiness. <laughs> so can I don't want that. Can we get the book? like how can people get it or when is it coming out yeah it is on my website right now on um products dot the coach in your pocket.com okay so um it's https don't put www just just type in products dot the coach in your pocket.com they can get the book and just um just the coach in your pocket.com like is the just the website that they can go to so um so yeah, I'm put a I, link on my site for that. That's very helpful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I think everyone needs it. I think everyone mm -hmm. needs it <laughs> because it's so short and so easy to implement in your life right away. And yeah, I hope I hope they like it. I still hope they like it, even though I know not everyone will. <laughs> I read it and I loved it. Just so oh, you know, thank you. quick read, amazing tips, strategies. And it was like having you probably not on the shoulder, but in the pocket. Let me pull yeah. this strategy out, which was awesome. <laughs> yes. Can you tell our listeners something? Can you leave us with something about you? What do you want people to remember to use when they're down, when they're struggling? Yeah. Um, the power of substitution. Your mm. brain cannot think more than one thought at a time. Just like you said, you know, if you say two plus two, don't, don't think of the answer. It does. It's going to. So you just, that's being the boss of your brain. You just use the law of substitution and you take that negative thought. That's what I did when I was depressed. You take that terrible thought that's hurting you, the self-destructive, and you replace it with a better thought. Like what, like I would go outside and just be like, what a beautiful day. This like, this is so beautiful. I can hear the birds chirping. I can see the flowers, you know, um, just, or like, oh, my kids are so great. Or, you know, here's, here's something and even tiny delights, just, just looking for those tiny little things like, Hey, that went well today, you know, or there was no line at the, you know, drive through or whatever. Um, so just use the power of substitution. This is one of the best things is to just take that negative thing and replace it with the positive thing because your brain can only think one thought at a time. So you tell it what, which one you want it to think. And it will be like, I add captain, let's go. And so you, that's how you just start to control your brain. You just say, nope, we're not doing that. We're doing this. 
and that's what you do. Jennifer you Hughes, amazing. Certified life coach, the coach in your pocket, author. Oh my God, incredible show. I really enjoyed my time with you and I look forward to our continued work together. The one thing I do want to remember and that everyone should remember is that this plight was created for anyone and anyone who's struggling, who doesn't understand in today's show, learning about how to be happy. Now you have some tips, now you have the tools and you will learn to do this. But remember, we will fight together to the very end. We will not let no one keep us down, put us in boxes, label us, or tell us that we are not enough because we are. Woo! This show and this platform is for anyone and everyone who needs to share their voice. We are strong as individuals, but unstoppable when we unite. Look out for the He's Just a Social Worker movement. Continue to come around all over the world right now. We out. Please note that the views expressed here are my own and not a representation of my employers and clients. Thank you for listening. We're always here for you. Just message us and we'll get back to you within 24 hours. Thank you. More than just at He's Just a Social Worker.